Hello everyone and welcome to the Early Stage Founder Series brought to you by me, Samuel Tebandeke and these are conversations with early stage founders and when we talk about early stage founders we're talking about people who are starting whether you're at the idea stage, whether you're not sure whether you want to be a founder, whether you're a second time founder, whichever it is this show is for you and these are conversations that that we believe will uh, inspire you um, tell you about the scene what we are building um, and any challenges and, and triumphs that we we are encountering on the way so welcome and have a great show hello hi Samuel. How are you? very well thank you good evening yeah how is it going um well so far so good slowly but surely <laughs> wow um yeah so happy women's day oh thank you very much as santa sana <laughs> Well, we're having another person join. Hi, Udim. Happy Women's Day to to the women in your life. Yeah, good evening, everyone. Thank you on their behalf. Yeah, my pleasure. Good evening, Udim. Nice to have you here. I'm too going to wish me Happy Women's Day. Udim, I'm waiting. Please. Sorry, what did, what did you say? I'm waiting for you to wish me a happy Women's Day. Wow, wow, wow. It always escaped. <laughs> but I caught it. It didn't escape. So can you go ahead and wish me? I'm waiting. Uh, I Okay. Happy Women's Day, Comfort, and the rest of the women. Um, Samuel, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm laughing because uh, you know the way the way comfort is demanding that the to be wished Happy Women's Day is ish, direct. So that's why I'm that's why I'm a bit reluctant to because I don't understand. And she's been getting this like since yesterday. So comfort, okay. <laughs> happy Women's Day, and the rest of the women all across the world. I hope we are good now. Hi, comfort. Hey, I think she's muted us. Okay. Um, well, so how's it going? How's the you're here? Yes, I am. Ah, fantastic. I think we'll get right into it. Um, you know, hi everyone. This is the early stage founder series, it's the first episode of the year. My name is Samuel Tebandeke. I'm all the way in Nairobi, Kenya, but I'm Ugandan, and I have two other co hosts on the, on the show. Who would like to, since it's Women's Day, and not because I'm being, uh, you know, and not be, you know, wh- let's have the lady introduce herself. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me here. My name is Comfort Onyaga. I am the founder of Izano Africa Limited. I'm joining in from Nigeria. Thank you. Okay. Looking forward to an interesting conversation with the other founders. Yes, and Udim, please. Okay, it's my turn. Hi, everyone. My name is Udim Akpan. I am the CEO of Crowd Technologies and the founder of Alajo. I'm joining here from Lagos, Nigeria. Um, I'm trusting to have a nice time in this 
Fantastic. You know, I didn't introduce my company. So I'm uh, the co-founder and CEO of Kiasi TV. And I think, you know what we should do? We should do that thing uh, we used to do on Founder Institute where you kind of do your hot seat pitch. Um, uh, just, you know, that one uh, sentence of what your company does. I, I, I'm, I'm having fond memories of that time. <laughs> so comfort, why don't you go for it? Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're just taking me um, back memory lane. Um, was it an exciting thing for you? Anyways, let me, let me, let me start by asking. I mean, you know, it's like sometimes the, 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 you know, the, the panel, the panelists, right. Um, make you feel like you're thrown, you're being thrown into the lion's den, but then, okay, I'll go. Yeah. Hi everyone. My name is Comfort Onyaga. I am the founder of Izanu Africa Limited. Izanu is a platform that leverages technology to connect farmers to and agribusiness investors to farmland equipment and um, farm hands and extension workers in order to optimize um, the agricultural value chain in Africa. Thank you. Fantastic. Udim, go for it. Okay, so we are bringing back um, the feeling again, you know. <laughs> I, I, I miss those times anyway. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, Allah just, in simple terms, helps you save money, also mm -hmm. helps you invest. So that is what we do. Um, we are helping to digitize cash. So we find out that in Africa, there is a lot of um, um, cash transaction, especially in the informal uh, economy. And that is what, what we are trying to help. You know, we are getting to that, that, that um, trying to bridge that gap, you know, try bringing people on board the, the formal economy, you know, giving them um, the opportunity to be able to do transaction digitally. So we collect the cash and then credit your account online and you get a credit, a credit notification. By that, um, you, are, you are financially included as it is. So we are helping drive the financial inclusion across Africa. Great. Um, so, my name is Sam, um, and my company, Kiasi TV, is developing a multi-format streaming platform for Afrocentric short-form audio and video content. And this is targeted towards the Gen Z and millennial millennials on the continent, but also in the diaspora, people who are looking for content that speaks to who they are, histories, cultures, not just past culture, but also contemporary culture and where culture is going next. Um, yeah, so we do that through a web platform, and um, yeah, our platform basically is a freemium is based on a freemium model. So, you know, we have a plat we're developing a section for a free plan for with adverts, and a paid plan where we charge a monthly subscription for no ads. So that's really really what it is that we're doing. Yeah, I thought it was really important for us to to share what we do because. Um, you never know who's listening. Also, it gives us a chance to set the context for everyone. So when we're talking about our companies and our different challenges or our triumphs, people are not going to ask, uh, who's Comfort? What's she building? What's Udin building? Why do I care? Why should I care? Yeah. So, yeah, that's really where we are. So here's what I think we can do. Um, there's something Udim was talking talking to me about this morning. Uh, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing uh, briefly the details of it. Because, um, you know, in the early stages, you're trying to build a platform. And um, many of us are not tech technical founders. And what I've realized is that in meeting with different people that I've pitched to, some of them have asked if I'm a technical founder, what does that even mean for people? Yeah, so Udim, please share if you can. Okay, um, uh, 
that is one of the challenges that we have to face as non-technical founder. Anyway, for tech-enabled um, platforms or tech-enabled services or products, um, it will require um, technical expertise, you know, to bring the platform to life. And uh, for people who do not have that technical expertise, but uh, they just have the idea of, um, you know, creating the platform, it becomes a bit challenging for them, especially if um, they don't have the initial capital to hire um, a technical person. In this case, mm -hmm. a programmer or a developer. Okay. And mm -hmm. um, so in Africa, um, founders have uh, this hurdle to cross. Uh, they face it every day because it's, a, it's difficult. And I don't know if um, I should say the 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 number of uh, developers or programmers that we have um, in relation to the ideas, you know, available for them to take on. You understand what I mean? I mean the distribution of yeah yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know that whether there is an imbalance, you know, between the number of programmers we have uh, across board and the number of ideas that they'll have to work on. Whether that is the reason um, non-technical founders are you know, having a difficult time uh, securing, um, um, or getting technical expertise. But again, the challenge is from, you know, most of the first time founders, they are bootstrapping. They don't have uh, enough cash to say they can pay for mm -hmm. this or pay for that. That is one. Yeah. And then uh, if you have a programmer that is very good, uh, most likely they'll be busy on something else. So chances are you won't, uh -huh. get, you won't get a developer that is good, uh, you know, to take on your project at the particular time in which um, you want it to kickstart. That is uh, another issue. And um, another thing is, if you throw out the idea of uh, maybe partnership or co-opting a technical um, uh, uh, person, uh, everybody here wants to be a founder. That's another issue. Everybody wants to be a founder. So mm -hmm. already they have their ideas that they are working on. Whether it's gonna succeed or it's not gonna succeed, uh, that doesn't matter. They are working on their idea. Everybody's a founder. And that poses another challenge. So personally, I've been going back and forth, back and forth. And uh, there's another issue of character. So I wouldn't want to generalize it, but um, it's very common. And I've had this experience with um, over four of developers. They accept the job and they will tell you they are going to deliver. They are more than able. Mm -hmm. Get part payments and the whole thing keeps spinning. They don't, they don't keep up with the timelines. They don't deliver anything. And at the end of the day, you get tired, move over to another person. And it's the same, the same story over and over again. So that has been uh -huh. that has been my personal experience, and I've also um, uh, seen this from or, or or heard from other people's um, experience too. Uh, they are about to encounter this, and uh, so uh, at the moment, <laughs> at the moment, I was about to engage um, a developer. We started this discussion since um, last year, December, that's December, 2020. And uh, yeah. we had come to a point where it was supposed to start, but then yeah. I had to, because this is also a thing. Um, the product owner, who is the founder, yeah. um, most times, not most times, you know, as first-time founders, we are ignorant of uh, uh, 
product uh, management knowledge. So we don't know anything about product management. We just think the idea is okay. So we take the idea to the developer, yeah. no supervision, no direction, nothing. And I think that's another thing. That, so, but then um, we're going, having, having gone, gone through Founder Institute um, and with the experiences I've had, you know, engaging um, um, developers, I've gathered a bit of knowledge about um, product management and uh, mm -hmm. that has opened my eyes to know how to, you know, not to a very large extent, but to the best of my capacity to, to, be, able, to be able to engage developers from this time, you know, forward. And uh, this guy, after the conversation, I, I, I explained to him what the platform um, is supposed to look like and everybody was on the same page. But when, when he gave his bill, I mean, the cost of uh, development, I, he gave timelines and I saw that it was, it would be good if the development is being broken down into like first, first release, second release, that release instead of saying let's pay everything, develop everything, so that we won't have issues. I don't know whether that that yeah. that made the guy to you know become disinterested in 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 the in the project because already um, he had envisioned that he was going to get to some amount of money. So when I brought that idea, although he agreed, he said, "Yeah, that's." Uh, there is no experienced developer that want to start building everything at once. That they take it bit by bit, you know. But I, I don't know where uh -huh. um, issues came from that he had to turn down the offer and then told me uh, at the moment he had some projects that he wants to concentrate on and they are of top priority to him, which he cannot, you know, suspend any of that to take on this project at the moment. So I was, um, I don't know. We've been going back and forth since um, December. And now if I want to engage another developer, we are starting from scratch again. So it is just so, so disappointing. But uh, wow, um, <laughs> that is part of the founder's dilemma. We will have to, you know, keep, keep, you know, driving until we get it right and I, I, I yeah i want i want to bring comfort in on this because um you mentioned a number of, of of challenges and i want to see you know whether comfort has similar or you know whether she's um engaged in a different way you know maybe there's solutions that she's come up with that you could find useful okay um thank you very much um Samuel Udim, yeah, you've thrown in you've shared a lot of things. Um I I think it will also be nice, right? Because this is early stage founder series. Before I answer, before I, I share my own experience. So you know, um I, I know some listeners who are intending to become founders, startup founders like us, um, would like to Perhaps it could be a, a takeaway for them, right, to go do their homework. So, so they would like to know, um, understand some technical terminologies we use, like bootstrapping and all of those jargons or lingos that are used in the startup world. Um, mm. Yeah. <clears throat> so it would be nice to break them down when we are using them. But however, talking about my own experiences, right, um, the whole struggle began when I came into the, the, the when, when I joined the Founders Institute sometime last year, right? And we were expected yeah. to come up with uh, MVP, mock-up. I was hearing some new terminologies and I was like, I was taking a bath. I'm like, <laughs> who do I go to for this, really? I was hearing them for the first time and wondering how how I would navigate this journey at some point. Um, one of the things I did to help me was um, to buy an exercise book, which I, I use, right? 
to document mm. all of these new words and looked for the meaning, started in incorporating it into my daily usages, you know, as, as we sail through that, that military camp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so when it got to the point where we were expected to, you know, as founders um, have our MVP built, right? We started by engaging. Anyways, let me, I, I'll go back a bit. Um, one of the things that helped me was the fact that I have on my board, that's on Izanu board, I, we have um, advisors, yeah. right, who are yeah. technical, they have that technical expertise. So whenever I was going to engage a software developer, for instance, I don't go alone. I have never had a meeting with any software developer alone. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I usually we do that with um, my advisory board member who is a tech inclined person and one of the board, um, one of the board directors who is also tech inclined. So they were always there for me. So they gave me the, their shoulder to lean on. So in constituting your board. So um, I would like to say to other early stage founders or people who are intending to come into the startup world. Right. To use that strategy, yeah. I mean, it worked for me. So Udin seemed to be inclined based on the fact that he's been on this journey before me. So I, I also recall yeah. having meetings with some um, developers, especially the one we're working with currently. And I would invite Udin to join me on that meeting because he seemed to understand the product development bit of this. So um, that was how I, I was able to, that's how I was able to navigate through that. Then in identifying who to work with, because I did not have any meeting alone, I engaged with um, our, our board members. So it was easier for them to ask the question because I didn't even know what to expect, what to ask them really, a novice like me. <laughs> I was a novice. So what would I ask? What would I even expect? So even, even when we finally found one who built uh, our product, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so first of all, <clears throat> when he shared the timeline with us, I was taken aback. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to take 30 weeks, really? What is he building? <laughs> <laughs> He's broken down in bits what he will be doing every week and all, but we had to review it back down to 24 weeks and different version of the product will be released. But this startup journey is, is not um, a journey one embarks alone because especially yeah. for first time founders, tech founders anyways, I've been a founder before, but not in the tech world. So I'm new in the tech world. Everything is new to me and sounding like someone is speaking in another tone. So I leverage my advisory board members and um, the board of directors, right, who had that technical expertise to engage with the developers. It wasn't easy for anyone, but when we eventually found, we're engaging him, we've engaged him already, he's building, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll, he will come up with something really good. And, and um, to also help me not to always, you know, go back to the board members and bog them up with simple questions I could also answer for myself. I decided to enroll on um, an online program on Acumen. There's a um, lean startup principle, understanding the lean startup principle. That's also helping me. I'm, able, I'm also able to, on my own, get back to the developer, give him feedback or tell him what I expect him to do or what I, every, yeah, what I envisage from what he's doing right now based on the level or the version of the product he's building at the moment. Ah, fantastic. So you, both of you, um, what I'm picking from both of you is the need for a non-tech founder to do, to bolster their knowledge, like to basically do research, to, to learn. If you're not, if you don't know the terms, Google is your friend. These things are not, they're not for paying, first of all. Bootstrapping, for example, you know, is basically using your own money to make, to do the business, um, basically run the business. And whether it's coming from a salary, from uh, your inheritance, from your grandmother, or, you know, any form of anything that comes from you is bootstrapping. 
and that's without anything that's out that's not outside investment. And when I talk about outside investment, I'm talking about maybe friends and family, uh, people who just like you, um, things like that. So that's one term for the day that you can take away if you don't know the term. But I, I encourage people to learn. And one of the things that you both are doing is, you know, enrolling for courses. I know, Udim, you told me about this product management course that's drastically cheaper than, than yeah. the market price. Um, we will share the link uh, in the show notes. Uh, Udim will share this with me and I'll put it in the show notes so you can be able to go there and see what's available. And also Acumen. I signed up for Acumen because of uh, comfort. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the courses, the couple of courses that are free and you can sign up for them. You can take them at your pace or whatever. And one of the things personally I do is I read a lot online. I listen to podcasts, you know, the language, you know, is something that you have to get used to. You have to, there's no way out of it. You have to learn. Like that is the mantra for all founders. You have to read a lot. You have to listen a lot. You have to attend webinars. You have to attend conferences. I honestly would encourage you to do this to like fill your day with these things. You know, if you're not working on, because it's part of working on the business anyway. Because the thing is, one of the things I did in the early days was to, to go to look for investors. So I kept, I did a lot of research on, on uh, funds, accelerators, you know, VC firms, angel firms, blah, blah, blah. But all these firms require you to have one thing. And that thing is, traction and another term i've put in there for you traction is basically activity whether it's uh, customers using your prog your product revenue uh you know a, a, like if you're doing a business to business or b2b type business where you're kind of interfacing with other businesses to sell your products you know you have a confirmed customer or five or whatever who are interested in the product if you're b2c which is business to customer which is a lot of uh, e-commerce platforms or video streaming platforms, then, you know, you have users or people who have signed up for an early release of the product. These are things that we, you have to show if you're going to go for an investable business. I've, I've pitched to some investors in Uganda and they asked me, okay, how much are your sales? And I'm like, I don't have a lot of sales and blah, 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 you know, and that makes it very difficult for you to get the investment that you want. So you have to maneuver in, in some ways. But to bring it back, you have to do research. You have to learn. You're in a space that, that has a specific way of speaking, not just startup language, but also tech language. And there's a lot of flurry, you know, you know um, a lot of businesses out there that start, you know, we're an investor, cult we're, we're an entrepreneurial culture, you know. We start things, but they're only a, a small proportion of those that will succeed. Yeah. But I, just, just to take it back to either one of you, just if you can answer it. And I know we started from the product itself, but where did these ideas come from? Because then people are going to start, okay, great. You want me to build a product? Yes, I can build a product. Or, or rather, I have an idea for a product. But then what's the genesis of that idea? Like, where did you start from? Yeah, so do you want me yeah. to go? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, so for me, basically, it was born out of my um, my passion, right? <laughs> yeah, so I run a non-profit organization, and um, prior to this time, sometime in 2018, our board... The non, our board of trustees, you know, we had a meeting and it was becoming a thing of concern to me that we would always sit back and apply for grants to carry out projects. And if the grant is not coming in, you're just there, you know, trying to also raise funds. And fundraising for me used to be, I, I used to feel shy, like raising from using the social enterprise approach where Maybe you have a product and you're putting it out there, appealing for people to buy that you, when you make, raise 
when, when, when you sell this product, XYZ amount goes into um, back to the nonprofit for that. I was like, no, I'm not in market. I can't do that. Then appealing for people to make donations too was not it. So I was thinking of um, a sustainable approach to addressing challenges because the core of the, of the nonprofit, which is Clyde's Foundation, is livelihood enhancement. So we had implemented some programs for the um, Department for International Development. And I thought, okay, it was in the agri sector. And I said to myself, well, you, re you really want to do this in a sustainable manner, right? And again, the, the, the donor's body language was changing to co-investment, you know. So they're using, the, um, especially the, the USAID, who came up with a policy framework that says um, their new development approach, you know, um, would be private sector development, right? So if, they, if, if development is going yeah. to be driven on the back of the private sector, so what is what are they really saying to the non-profit organization? And they, they were also talking about bringing an end to aid in Africa, especially. So for me, I, I now began to explore, okay, what do we really do? I haven't been in the agri sector for a while. So I, I thought to myself, okay, you know, it would be nice to have something in this sector because that's why I'm in the ag tech um, industry. So, um, yeah, as, as, as it became clearer to us as an organization, right, as a nonprofit organization to set up a sustainable business, to consider we can continue to create impact in the future. And I did not want to go mm. far from my passion. Uh, it, it was a struggle to me really at some point because I had to get into the Founder Institute in order to bring this idea to life. And I was struggling because I've been in nonprofit world for a while. I'm, I'm already used to advocating for farmers, advocating for this. You know, I want to do everything out of passion. I really do not want to focus on making the profit, but my, I was just solution driven, regardless if I'm making profit. So at this point, even the Founder Institute mentors and the directors were like, comfort. This is not non-profit. You're sounding NGO-ish. I even remember doing the last pitch. So they, <laughs> were, they were still complaining about that. But um, yeah, yeah. It, it, we be, I began to evolve as, as an individual. But then the initial idea for us there was to um, facilitate access to market and input for farmers, so to create a platform to do that. But I, I realized that with the impact of COVID, then the climate change, and again, the challenges other ag tech companies who were my competitors, right, were facing, I figured uh, um, it would be kind of difficult to navigate through that terrain. Then I began to also, you know, say, I said to myself at some point, if even if I have to do this, we have to go this route in addressing these um, challenges, right? Which is ultimately, ultimately um, food security, right? So guaranteeing food security mm -hmm. in Africa, if we want to address food insecurity. So I now said to myself, okay, so what would be a value proposition it was in it was in thinking through that value proposition that I that we settled for this idea because this this whole idea of you know giving um agri investors a platform to lease or rent land equipment and um, assess farm hands to be able to work for them because it, it's really a pain point for farmers. So for us, or for me rather, I was like, okay. If we want to address food insecurity and over the years, the financial institution policies in place and all have been focused on um, consumable inputs. So by consumable inputs, I mean um, inputs like the seedlings, all those non-capital intensive um, inputs that farmers would need to, um, to produce either their crop or livestock. So it would be nice to go to the other to, to the other side of the coin, right? To stay there and you know see how we can drive this. Because if we're talking about sustainable farming and agriculture, there is need for us to democratize access to capital input. So by capital input, I mean the land, the equipment. 
they are capital intensive. So for instance, I don't need to own a land, right, to go into farming. So you can come, that's why we have a platform, we're we are building a platform, which is Zanu now, that would give investors or even, yeah, farmers generally, right, can come together as a group to say, okay, you know what, let's use this platform to lease a land to cultivate crops. So you're leasing, you're not buying the land, meaning you're spending less. So if, if, if it is a short-term crop, for instance, you, you've got to do maybe three years, two years, or, or five years, renewable, right? And you're able to assess it at a cheaper rate than you would have if you were buying. So meaning the money you would have used to buy your land can be used, you know, to produce crop on that particular land. You would have saved a lot much more. Then if it is equipment, it's not easy mm -hmm. to buy a mechanized farm equipment. And we mechanized farming is the way to go if you want to talk about optimizing the agricultural value chain. So definitely we give you the platform through which you can access this um, mechanized farm equipment at a low cost by leasing for a day. Or if you have a cluster farm, for instance, so these farmers or, uh, uh, can come together as a group, put their resources together and lease an equipment for one day. And they are able to optimize their production. So it means labor that would have taken them, the human labor would have taken them 10 days, maybe to cultivate the land. Land preparation is a big deal meaning they will spend one day in doing it because they've been able to put their resources together. And guess what? They'll be able to cultivate their crop within the timeline or the production cycle for that particular crop before it goes off season. So that's what we're talking about. And yeah, that's it for me. Ah, oh, fantastic. Udim, tell us. Oh, um, come for that. That's taking all the time. Um, <laughs> for me, there were more than three events that uh, uh, inspired, you know, the idea of creating a larger. So, um, money is the language that everybody understands. You know, it is always going to be relevant. Money will always be relevant, you know. And uh, growing up, I, I don't know what happened. So I was privileged to have access to people's money. Like people will always give me money to, you know, keep for them. And uh, in my family, well, we mm -hmm. had... Um, an oil palm processing meal. So I was always the one that kept the money, you know, the proceeds that comes from um, the meal. And um, at some point, mm. I became interested in investment and um, people will always give me money to invest for them. Even if I point them to where they should invest, they said, no, we trust you enough to give it the money to invest on their mm -hmm. behalf because it seems like you 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 know these things so yeah. you can uh, you understand the risks and you know how to avoid them so just invest on our behalf and uh, when I came to Lagos I I came to Lagos um about six years ago Mother about yeah so I noticed this um daily collection like people a group of people will will do contribute money you know and there's always somebody that will come and collect on a specified they say tuesdays or thursdays but one recurring thing has always been arguments over whether this person contributed money the last time which is record keeping it has to do with record keeping so all these things connected and I now say, mm -hmm. okay, so if people can entrust me with their money to invest for them, and uh, if also people are having issues with this contribution thing, I mean the record keeping, it means I can create a platform 
where I can allow people to invest and monitor how their investment is performing. And at the same time, uh, give these um, groups a platform where they can um, have proper records of their daily contributions for their money. And so th that was how the idea came about, you know. So basically, um, it's a combination of events. And again, in Nigeria, there is this thing we do after your, um, after school, you know, uh, you will do, there's a compulsory um, one year comfort, how do they call that in a year? Hello, comfort. Yeah, NYC. No, I'm, try I'm trying to describe NYC, NYC. Is just an acronym so that uh, some national yeah, it's, it's a national service that every graduate is expected to undergo. It's, it's a one-year service. So I was posted to the northern part of Nigeria, and I noticed because they have landmass, so there is this cluster settlement, and the banks are really far. You understand. Banks are really far from them. And uh, mm -hmm. before you access an ATM machine or a bank, it might take you like uh, six hours and you spend um, close to 3,000, that's about uh, how many dollars? That's about $7 to, to make a withdrawal or to make a deposit. Yeah. So I was like, wow. is there no way we can, something can be created so that uh, there, is, there, is, there is an intermediary between these people and their banking activities? So for instance, you don't have to travel that far to go and make a deposit or withdrawal. Uh, uh, it can be this intermediary that will be mm -hmm. close to you so you go to them, make the transaction, and then they will relate with your bank and update the records, which is agency banking. It's a thing here in Nigeria. It's really growing, and, and that is what is powering the fintech in Nigeria. Agency banking, payments, and all that. And uh, in recent times, lending has also been you know, gaining traction. Okay? So... Um, those things, those are the events that inspired this idea. So it's not just one thing. So I had, I had that experience there and I had the experience of people giving me money and I had the experience of, you know, um, these um, uh, market people and some uh, artisans always complaining about uh, missing records, whether they contributed money and the, the collector is saying, you did, not, you did not, I have not seen your record. I did not record anything for you. So these these events combine to inspire me to create um, a larger. That's it. Fantastic. Um, I think I think you you met um, from what, what I'm getting from both your 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 businesses is that it starts with a customer problem and also I'm sensing a set a bit of impact yeah. that 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 the business will have social impact, which. I know when we did the Founder Institute and it's become uh, a, a thing yeah. nowadays, sustainable development goals from the United Nations. And, um, you know, whether your business is related to that or not, on some level, you're solving a social need. Um, so I just want to ask you, I mean, this is our last question of the day because um, we are running out of time. What is the one challenge that you have faced if, I mean, let's not talk about the development of the product. Those are challenges. But I mean, like, of, for your customers, like, what's the challenge in bringing, um, in sharing your idea with your customers? Because obviously you have to do the research and find out if this really is a, their problem, you know? Uh, 
comfort or Actually, you can go anyone you can can take it from. yeah so for, for for me right because it's a tech business my my challenge has been um you know referring the customers so for instance uh, yeah we, we we have to validate our ideas and all and we really understand the fact that as early stage or at, at the pre-seed level stage, when you're trying to validate your assumption, you're doing your customer interview and all. So a lot of people want to see the product and for us to get the product right out, maybe even the first version of the product requires funding and certain things because we are, um, I'll, let me speak for myself first, because I am a first-time tech founder, right? So certain things didn't make sense to me. Mm. It did not make sense to me how the startup world works. So, because it's quite a different journey from the small and medium-scale business. So the the, the customers you're interviewing would mm. always ask you, okay, so what, they, they're, they're always looking forward to that platform for you to refer them to. So it was really um, it was really a big challenge for me, right? Trying to convince customer to use a product that you cannot even refer them to a place or yeah, a platform, yeah. a tech platform to say, okay, this is who we are, this is what we do. I I, I struggled with it, and and I think I'm I'm still navigating through that. Um, me water i've not been able to come out of it fully but because they're still building the product is still being developed and even for us to pitch to investors and or investors want to see market traction they want to see that you have been able to validate the assumption and on the other hand the customers you're supposed to provide these services to or, or yeah are asking you for the product exactly <laughs> That is the major challenge. That is the major challenge here. So we see a lot of funding opportunities and all. To me, I, I, I don't see any sense in really, you know, going to pitch to an investor without a product. So do you get? So my challenge revolves around hey. that product and um, yeah, getting the funding to, you know, go ahead and develop the product. Oh, okay. Um, you know, you know, when, when you were describing your business, you clearly mentioned millennials and Gen Z, mm -hmm. and these are the people that understand tech. So, um, yes, it, most especially if you are dealing with a tech-enabled um, platform or a product or service. These are the people that will understand and see the value in it. So, but in my own case, I am at the intersection yeah. of, um, you know, bridging the yeah. gap between, um, do we still have baby boomers? Okay. And uh, which, which, which other generation is after those guys? So, so and uh, <laughs> the Gen Z, right? So we already have other platforms doing this, but again, they are yeah. focusing majorly on the digital aspects. So for example, um, uh, a digital savings platform will require someone to have a bank account. That is a commercial or a deposit money bank account because you are going to save with your cash, mm -hmm. right? You are going to save money on the platform with your card. But then there is this population yeah. that do not have a bank account. Or even if they do, they don't have ATM cards. Intentionally, they have refused to collect ATM cards. So we also want to cater for this, this category of people. So we, we've made yeah. provision for um, those kind of people. So we collect the cash from them. Like you would have done a transaction over the counter at the bank. So we come to you, um, uh, collect the cash from you and create mm -hmm. the account. You get a credit notification just like um, you would from the bank. And this is the model that uh, Mohammed Yunus um, introduced in uh, Bangladesh. When, yeah, the Grameen Bank. 
So he said everything the commercial uh, banks Bank. do, they do the opposite. So for the commercial bank, you, you go to the bank, but he said, no, we, we come to you, right? Um, if, if you need a loan for the commercial bank, they need a collateral. But mm -hmm. for us, we don't need a collateral. We come to you and we organize you in groups. We make the group hold you accountable. Like, you know, um, the group is responsible for you paying back whatever loan you've taken because um, the possibility of another person getting a loan is uh, solely dependent on the other person who borrowed to pay back. So if the, the mem a member of the group does not pay back his or her loan, it means another person will not get a loan. You see the strategy now. So we are trying to serve this category of people and also serve the millennials mm. and the Gen Z. Yeah. But again, it is very difficult to explain this product to them and they will buy because again, we are dealing with money and it has to do with trust. So they have these analog people that have been coming to them from, they know them since yes. they were born. Precisely. And you are just coming to speak grammar that you have one platform. They, they never believe in those things. <laughs> they never believe in those things. So they, they, there is a challenge here um, <laughs> trying to get them, you know, to adopt the product that you have. But then um, I did not try to uh, uh, do so much of the interview. Like I, I did more of observation. Yeah. I did more of observation. So um, when I started mm, with a third party application, I just went to a particular person, explained the thing very well to his understanding. I said, if you have other people that are ready to do this, bring them. So if one of them understands the product, he will become, um, what do we call now? An influencer, you know, influencing others to join. That was what I did. The first uh, group of people that I got to start using our platform. That was how I got them. You understand? But then for the Gen Z and the millennials, you can put your platform, okay. then use uh, every digital channel to, to, to uh, create awareness and do some form of advertisement. Those ones, they're already aware and um, they can see the value. They can spot value in, in the tech-enabled product and then just go for it. They can get, take that decision personally. But for the other uh, uh, set of uh, customers, you need another strategy to, for them to adopt. But then um, your, the digital gimmicks and all the, uh, 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 what, what do we call it now? Will not will not will not convince them. You, those guys. In fact, they are not they are not online. You won't get them there. <laughs> so you need another strategy to get them to adopt the product. And uh, for me, that is a bit of a challenge. But yeah, uh, we understand the challenge and we find a, a way of you know getting across to them. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Um, we've we have another guest in the in the in the in the show. Unfortunately, we're, we're at the end of the session, but I'll give him a chance to introduce himself, uh, tell you what his business is, and maybe we'll have him the Hi, next Samuel. time we we run this session. So please go for it, Godwin. How are you doing, Godwin? You are Godwin. Hi. You are welcome. All right. So uh, yeah, introduce yourself. Oh, thank yeah. you. Welcome to hear from you guys. All right, this is Godwin. Yeah. Um, I am the co-founder of Wendo. Yeah. Wendo is an e-commerce marketplace that that caters to um, generally the middle class who who shop for consumer appliances, right? So we're we're targeting people consumers of um, Home appliances, basically, from the lower middle class to the middle upper class. Basically, that's our market, and um, where, of course, we are a new venture, right? So, 
Uh, we're just starting out. Um, we're still in product development. Uh, but this is um, a business I have been in for quite a while. And as Udi mentioned, um, the, the cooperative organizations or the thrift organizations, right, are a very interesting customer set because they, they also form part of our, yes, part of our customer um, target customers, right? So they're very interesting mm -hmm. customer sets and they are underserved. And I'm sure we will agree they're underserved. And there's a very interesting dynamic that's playing out in that um, customer segment, which is that there is inherent trust in that um, system, right? So the challenge is how do you break in? Because as you mentioned, they already um, they are already deeply rooted in their own way. So they already have their own ways of doing things. So driving adoption for your offering um, is a bit of a challenge. But once you can break in, then you, I mean, you're sitting on a huge opportunity because there, there is the, the network effect that is inherent in that system already. So if um, Mr. A trust this um, vendor or this platform, it is likely that his colleagues, all right, or other members of the thrift organization are going to trust that platform, right? So um, basically, we we're looking to um, launch our platform fully right now. You can find find us on social media at um, at Window Market. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on LinkedIn, as well as Pinterest. I, I guess I'll stop here since um. Time is already fast spent. Thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much. <laughs> it's, uh, in fact, that's one of the things that we're going to put in the show notes, your links um, for all the businesses represented here. Um, so just to give everyone a sense of what this is, um, we met all of us in the Founder Institute, the Lagos cohort number three, uh, I was lucky to be part of it coming from Uganda because it was virtual. Thank you, COVID. Wow, wow. So, 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 uh, uh, COVID has have uh, advantages, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is the positive side. Okay. Yeah, precisely. Winston Churchill said, "Never let a good crisis go to waste." So this, this was. My I know, I know that a lot of people have struggled as a result. However, all things die, mm. all systems die. That's, it's the fact of life. And maybe this is the way of life that we, are, we were meant to get to five, 10 years from now, and it is here now. So, I mean, the mere fact that we're recording this podcast online is phenomenal. Like I'm in Nairobi right now, you guys are in Lagos or in different parts of Nigeria right now, and I can hear you exactly. very clearly. This is the result of, of digital transformation, you know, adoption of, you know, these things. Um, I was able, to, I'm able to, you know, access, you know, your combined knowledge, you know, online. So, yeah. So for everyone listening, um, this is, this was an opportunity that we felt wouldn't go to waste. And of course, after the one, the boot camp that Founder Institute is, we were advised to set up, it was recommended that we set up like a group, you know, with like a working group afterwards, which is fantastic. And one of the things that I think will be necessary for, for the founders listening or whoever's listening, find a support system. It is very critical because this journey is lonely. Even if you have a partner in your life, uh, some a life partner or a group of friends, you need a group of people who understand exactly what you're going through. And I'm privileged and I think all of us can agree that having this support system and meeting every month or even just chatting with each other through WhatsApp or you know, just bombarding each other with texts along the way has been very useful because you get to share resources, you get to share struggles. I mean, Udim shared with me his challenge in the morning. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is interesting. We can start with this in the podcast. So, yeah, um, you'll hear more from us. Yeah. I don't know how regularly, yeah. but Interesting hey, stuff. let's consider this our little clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, I would like yeah. to say something. Um, um, so, um, yeah, in addition or building on what um, someone had just said, 
So um, I would like to say that that we all met at the Founder Institute, right, does not mean this platform is limited to alumni from the Founder Institute only. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so guys, um, we'll, we'll set up a WhatsApp, um, or not a WhatsApp group, a Facebook page, uh, maybe an Instagram page in the future. We'll build it slowly, slowly. But the, th the point we're trying to make is that we, un we see you, we understand what you're going through. And by sharing our own stories and, you know, hacks, um, we, will, we will maybe in uh, some way inspire you or give you some bit of knowledge. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> been there, still doing it. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and I, I know that one last thing I will say, at least before we close, is that there is a temptation to get distracted by all these unicorns, people raising money, <laughs> large, you know, you lesson raised 3 million the other day, 3.5, was it? Um, uh, dollars, not even Naira, dollars. And you're like, my goodness, when will I raise that money? And so, so <laughs> I know this is not even funny. No, I know that. <laughs> Here we are. With no, 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 no. When am I going to get them? So, apart from <laughs> unicorn capital, which other unicorn do we have in Nigeria, yeah. Africa? Paystack, obviously. Like no, if you if not, you're following the news and if you you no, probably hear about Paystack. Is Paystack a, a only, unicorn? Um, uh, I mean they they, they got bought for two hundred. Interswitch. Interswitch, yes, yeah. interswitch. Ah. No. Yeah, interswitch and Jumia. Yes, Jumia ah. is a unicorn. Oh, and also okay. yeah, yeah, what's yeah, his, what's guys? Jumia. That's true. So remember that thing I said in the middle of the episode or at some, time, some point in the beginning for all of you listeners, Boost terms happen. that you should learn. Boost so happen. we've heard about uh, MVP. We've learned about, uh, what's the word? Bootstrapping, network effects, unicorn. You will hear these terms a lot. Know them, learn them. And I promise you, when you enter a meeting with an investor or potential supporter of your business, you will... It's not, it's not like you want to look like the smartest person in the room, but you want to be able to, to speak and, you know, keep track of industry news. And yes, it's great to hear about Paystack acquisition, Jumia launching, I mean, like share price going up in the tens of, of dollars, you know, you know, and these are things that are vital for you to understand, to give you context. However, don't lose track of your own business, where you are. Know what your, what your vision is. What are you trying to build? Who are you building it for? What problem are you solving? The most important thing is the problem and the customer. Anyone can build. Oh my God! No, no, comfort. We can't go through all the terms. We will not. We will not stop. Okay. <laughs> but. But thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I look forward to another conversation with you both here and on WhatsApp. Um, if you want to hear more about what we're doing, you can reach out to us, to our different businesses. I believe all of us have social media accounts. Uh, I'll share them if you're willing. Uh, also, our businesses have social media presence. So, yeah, we'll put that also yeah, in the show notes. For those listening, Thank you so much, guys. And that is a first-time founder or whatever you um, if you are just starting. Uh, be part of the community. I, I, I don't know how to say this. Be part of, like Samuel has already said, this is a lonely path. You can't go through it alone. Just be part of the community. It's, it's very, very important. Thank you. Okay.
Comfort, any last thing you want to say before oh, I well, close this session? All. Okay, get yourself a notepad and take <laughs> note of the new word <laughs> while you join a community. <laughs> don't don't just feel lost when you join a community because you feel, oh my God, these guys, they know it all and you feel left out. Don't be discouraged. I mean, I was there. I've been there. I'm still learning. So, yeah, join the community. Yeah. Wow. Keep hungry, keep foolish. Yeah. Stay foolish, stay hungry. Thank uh, you, Samuel. Thank you, Comfort. Thank you so yeah. much, guys. Bye. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Odin. Thank you, Samuel. Thank you. And thank you for this <laughs> happy international women. Okay, bye for now. <laughs> oh, yes. Happy International Women's Day. My God. I think by the time they listen yeah. to this, it will be way beyond yeah. Uh, yeah. Women's Day. Yeah. But hey. Comfort. That, oh, yeah. that, it's a women's I, day every day. Thank you. you need to understand. <laughs> every day is your day. All right. Cheers, people. Yeah, it is what it is, man. I've got that. <laughs>